We're going to start with something that I was very lucky that we ha I have uh, very good friends. One of them is Jeannie Rami Zerdok, who always sends me nice things. Um, there's a new uh, phenomena that's happening in the world and it is affecting the kids in our community. I want to share it with you. It's, um, it's not like, okay, you'll hear it. What I'm sharing with you is a speech by Rabbi Joey Haber, he's a phenomenal fellow. Uh, he says it better than I say it, but let me just give you a little bit of an intro, okay? Uh, New York State legalized betting from a mobile apparatus, which means in the past, <clears throat> in order to bet on a sport event or things of similar, you had to do it in a more challenging way. Now, any child, who has a phone can bet, and, and I don't know if you watched the Super Bowl or you didn't, every three minutes, there was, I, I checked it out by the way, Jeannie, every three minutes there was a commercial on this and they're sending flyers all over the place for the kids and they're giving promotions. And you'll hear him say that they gave a promotion that you could make who knows how much on your $5 bet. And a lot of kids started doing that. So as parents, as an adults, we should be aware of that. But of course, the fact that it could lead to an addiction. But bottom line is, you know, a kid puts down another $5, another $10, $20, you know, before long, he's going to be down three, $400. Where's a 14-year-old kid getting $400? My question to you is, how is he getting the money in the first place? So maybe you should have this conversation with children in your house about this, because it's something that's important that at the click of a nothing, you can bet. So we're going to listen to his video. It's very good. We'll talk about it for a minute, and then we'll learn Torah. Okay, I mean, this is also Torah. But, uh, okay, way to go. Here it is. Okay, listen up, guys. Uh, young people across the country are very excited. Super Bowl Sunday, people look forward to it. They know where they're going to be, the subs, the food, the friends. They had everything set up. But what I don't think people realize is how dangerous this Super Bowl is going to be. Because there's something that happened a month ago. On January 8, 2022, New York State legalized sports betting on your mobile device. And I'm not sure you realize how much it changed the world. In one month of January, New York bet $1.6 billion. That is more than any other state has ever had. More than Nevada. That's Las Vegas. New York State has bet so much money in one month that on Championship Sunday, two weeks ago, more money was bet on the mobile device in that one day than was bet in person through the entire year. Let me tell you how it works and why it's so dangerous. It's Gemara Masechet Sukkah that says the Yitzhara has three names. Holech a Pesabai, Horeach a guest, and Ish a man. What does that mean? What it means is this is the Yitzhara, the evil inclination process. First he gets you, he's just a Pesabai. He just gets you to say hi. Like in fifth grade, when someone used a bad word, and they're like, oh, so but so but I'll never say that again. And the next thing you know, they got a little older and they're saying that word two, three times a week. And the Yetzirah became a guest in their life. And then you, before you know it, they're in every other sense. And he took them over. And it happens with smoking, it happens with drooling, it happens with drinking, and it happens more than anything in the world with this. And you know who knows this Gemara more than anybody? DraftKings. Because DraftKings has a promotion, as an example, for the Super Bowl, that if you're a first-time user, one in 56 odds. That means that if you bet $5, since it's Super Bowl 56, if you pick the winner of the Super Bowl, that means you pick LA, you pick Cincinnati, you don't have to pick the spread, you don't have to pick the over-under, you don't have to pick anything else, just pick the winner, and you will make 56 times the amount. $280 for your $5 bet. Doesn't that sound great? Why do you think they make that offer? Target, Walmart, they don't make those offers. They don't tell you, spend $5 an hour store and we'll give you $280. Because they know if they gave you $280, you'd spend it and then you'd leave. But DraftKings knows that if you win $280, you will, they, you'll be a guest on their website. And before you know it, you'll bet that to me. I'll turn it to 500 and then you'll be down 500 and then you'll be down a thousand and then yes you'll turn around and you'll be down ten thousand dollars in a year from now you're like how'd that happen i thought i know sports and i know who to pick in the the, the final four and i know who to pick in the, the nba finals how did this happen the answer is that's the game they're playing with you so please don't be dumb enough to say hi 
Do you know how much money they're gonna make? They made a deal with New York State. All these websites made a deal with New York State that 51% of their profits goes to the state to taxes. Who would give away half of their profits to taxes? The answer is only a website that knows that they're gonna make so much money off of you that they can give half of it away and they'll still make millions. Like DraftKings did in January, they made $28 million and FanDuel $23 million and MGM. All these websites are making so much money off of people that are not smart enough to realize, don't say hello. Oh, no, no, but Rabbi, I know. I know the quarterback at Cincinnati. I know the receivers on LA. I know how to pick. Please don't be dumb enough to be pulled in. I know young people that that are 17, 18 year olds that are planning up any three, four, five hundred dollars at Super Bowl Sunday. They don't even have a job. What are you thinking? So please, I'm begging you. As this becomes legal, it becomes so much more dangerous. Because when it's on a mobile device and you just click it, it doesn't even feel like it costs anything. Like when you order from Uber Eats, you press, press a button and it looks like it's free because all you see is a number on the bottom. So now when we're, when people are able to just bet on their phone right, in, right there while they're eating, while they're doing, it's so easy and therefore so dangerous. So Super Bowl Sunday comes. I don't care which team you like. I don't care how excited you are. Please be careful. Because these websites know that if they can simply get you to say hello before you know it, they will own you. So be smart enough. Buy your sub, enjoy your friends, but don't be willing to even give them five dollars because you don't know what how much losses that turns into. There are so many people in this country and even many people in this community that were dumb enough to go in and they had no idea how locked in they became. So on this Sunday, be smart. Be smart enough to know that when you see some ad on every other commercial or cars that even come in the mail advertising it, be smart enough to not even say hello. Thank you. Okay, guys, I don't want to spend the whole class on this, but it's very important to have awareness. I, I think it's a very important topic. I'm just going to mention two things that we'll move on. Thanks again, Jeannie. Number one, I want to just tell you a very, very sad story about a young man who I was involved with who was caught stealing from his friends, stealing money from other friends. And at the end of the day, the reason he was stealing is because he was gambling. And you take a 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old boy who starts gambling, or girl, but, but boy specifically usually, and he's out $300, he's out five, where's he getting the money from? Where's he getting money from? He's not making money. He thinks for sure he's gonna win and then he owes money. So, I mean, this is a reality. The other thing I wanna just give you a heads up is obviously since Jeannie sent it to me, I was showing it to my class. And some of the boys in the class said the following, and listen carefully. They said that Rabbi Haber did not do a good job. I said, why not? He goes, because he, 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 uh, he threw in drugs and alcohol. They say, drugs and alcohol, Rabbi, those are bad things to do, you know, because they're inherently bad. The kid looks at, he knows that those are destructive. Gambling, it's a lot of fun. Why not? You know, put money on a team, it's exciting, which means, I'm, I'm not saying they're wrong. In, in the kid's head, and even in our head, it's not an inherently bad trait to, to gamble. Do you understand what I'm saying? And therefore, the draw is even stronger. So I'll do this, I'll do that. Do I think that every kid who does this is going to be end up being an addictive gambler? I don't think so, but some will. But what's worse is, I'm asking you as parents and grandparents, where are they getting the money in the first place, the credit card, to do this on the app? I would highly suggest, I'm going to end with this because I want to learn Torah. I highly suggest this is a very comfortable discussion at a, at a table. Why not? Why not? This is not, uh, the kid's not embarrassed, I think. Yes, you know, oh, I heard this came out. It's legal. By the way, again, I don't follow this. The kids are telling me the advertisement for this is over the top, over the top. Kids are getting bombarded from all sides on this. So just realize you have, a, even a, it could start at nine years old. You have a nine-year-old kid who has a phone and somehow gets his hand on a credit card. He's going to put down a bet. 
I could see him coming to school. Can you imagine your nine or 10 year old boy coming to school and saying, I made $250. He's going to feel like he's king of the world. And he can easily do that. Uh, did you hop? I don't know if you guys understood. It was 56. It's a 56. Um, uh, new uh, Super Bowl, they were giving 56 to one. That means you put in $5, you get 56 times five. If you win, the, it's a 50-50 chance. You just, you know, put down $5, right? And the kid could come to school with $280. Whatever. All right. Everybody got the point? Okay, I hope you guys are all right. So it's important. It's uh, it's awareness and uh, let's go. Okay. So this week's parashah is Kitisa. Last week was Titzabet, right? Last week was Titzabet, Kitisa. We're going to do something from Titzabet. And then we're going to go into Kitisa. Okay. Clothing. Clothing. I know it's important to us Jewish men and women. All right. Let's be honest. More women than men. Okay. Clothing. Where clothing in Breshit? Let's think for a second. Anybody want to throw me clothing in Breshit? Give me a story in Breshit having to do with clothing. Adam and Chava. Adam and Chava. Adam and Chava. Were those clothing a positive thing or a negative thing? Well, it was negative in the sense that they sinned and Hashem... Uh... Right, right, right. So the clothing was in a, you know, it's like a, a default, right? <laughs> it was a default, negative. Give me something else, clothing. Kutonet pasim. Kutonet pasim, right? You go all the way to Yosef. That was a negative, right? It caused jealousy. It wasn't good. It wasn't a great situation. I'll give you two more. Yaakov wearing Asaph's clothing. That's clothing, right? That's a clothing story. So that's being representing something you're not. It's a misleading concept. Clothing as misleading concept. And this one is a tough one. Yosef. Yehuda and Tamar. Oh, who said that? Mrs. Weinstock. Ah, Susan. All right. Okay. I sent the notes beforehand. No, I'm kidding. Yes. Yehuda, I mean, Tamar and Yehuda. Tamar wore clothing to mislead Yehuda. So clothing don't have a great rap in, in Sefer Breshi. All of a sudden, in last week's Parsha, as we all know, let me share, we all know, that most of Parsha Tetzaveh, most, come on, babe, there it is. Vasita big de Kodesh le'aharon achicha le'chavot ul'sifarit. Most of the Parsha of, of Tetzaveh is talking about the begadim of the Kohen Gadol. So all of a sudden, we're into clothing. What change, not what change, what's the point of these clothing? The point comes from a very, very famous thing we once said, and now I want to elaborate on it. Of all the eight bigadim, again, <clears throat> every Kohen had four special bigadim, four special clothing, and the Kohen Gadol had four more, okay? Um, the, 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 the regular ones was a hat and a belt, and a shirt and pants, okay? That's nice, but special ones. And the Kohen Gadol had four extra. Anybody know? They had a tzitz, you know, like Wonder Woman. I mean, I don't want to make our Oh, I'm getting to Uribe in a second. One second, right? The, the, the that, the, um, whatchamacallit? He had the, like, it's like an apron that held the Uribe and a meal and a coat. Of the four, you just said it, the most important one, or the holiest one, was the breastplate, right? The Urim Bitumen. So we once discussed this. I want to get to that and go deeper. Are you ready? And what is the goal of Bigadim of the Kohen Gadol getting from Aram? So in last week's Parsha, and this is describing the Urim Bitumen, nice image now. Look how nice Aram looks. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Did you picture him like that? I don't know. It looks nice and thin. Right? He carries the names of the children of Israel. Look what the Torah calls this item. You called it the Urim Bitumim, which is correct, because that's going to be the name. The Torah gives it in the next Pasuk. But the first name they called it is Choshen Mishpat. We'll get to that. Why it's called the Choshen Mishpat. What does that do with Mishpat? Alibo, he wears it on his heart. Next pasuk. Again, called You put in the urim and the tumim. Those are the what? The precious jewels. <coughs> right? He was jeweling. And he wears it on his heart. And he carries the judgment of Israel. Alibo. Does anybody remember what bothered us in these two sukim? So what should bother you is, is one word that is repeated too many 
times. What word is that? Anybody? Yes? No? How about the word lev? How about lev? It tells us three times where he wears it. Three times. Do you see it? He puts the Choshe Mishpat Alibo on his heart. Okay. Interesting just to say it, Alibo, why don't I just put it on his chest? That's where it is, right? It's right, it's, it's right here. You see where he's wearing it right there, right? But the Torah describes it that it's on his heart. And not only is it described in his heart, it says it again in Lamed, and then it says it the third time in Lamed. Something's going on here, right? So let me tell you what's going on here. So first of all, I just want to tell you that the origin of the name, it contains 12 precious stones, and the names of 12 tribes. On occasion, the Choshen would be consulted when divine advice or consent was required. Do you know what that means? It was like a, it was like a magical thing. They would ask the Kohen Gadol a question. The Kohen Gadol would ask that question to Hashem. And then it, it was like, I, I, I just picture it. This is not a nice way to say it. Like a game show, you know, like all the things light up, you know, like that. And, and you have to figure out, you know, what it stands for. And sometimes you might, who, who remembers from Tanakh? There was a Kohen Gadol who got a message and he messed it up. Ellie. Who? Ellie. Ellie. Who answered that again? Susan again? Who answered Susan. that? <laughs> Okay, Susan, you you can't stay in this class. You have to go to okay, another Okay, I'm class. sorry. Right. I'm no, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Guys, remember when Hana, Hana was davening and, and, and he couldn't hear her, her words? No? Don't remember that story? Yes. Shuel's mother and Ellie looking Right, right. Very good. Very good. Advanced class. Okay, so that was the Urim Fine. We're asking, why does it repeatedly say life? Actually, I wouldn't have said life, personally. I would have said he puts it on his on his on his chest area. Okay, so there is a very famous Rashi in a very famous pasuk that asks that question. We go all the way back to Shemot Exodus. Okay, you should remember this. Hashem chose Moshe to go to Mitzrayim, be the leader, take Bnei Israel out. Moshe keeps hesitating. Moshe keeps saying, "Send somebody else. I can't do this." God understood. Why, by the way, this answers a famous question. I, I, if Hashem is sending you, Moshe, stop hesitating, right? What are you doing, right? So we see now why Moshe was hesitating. Why was Moshe hesitating? Because Aaron was his older brother. Beautiful. Moshe was 80. Aaron was 83. <coughs> All this time, <coughs> sorry, who was running B'nai Israel? Aaron, right? Actually, Aaron's father was the first chief rabbi, right? But now Aaron took over. Now Moshe has to come and become the head. He felt that he's going to hurt his brother, older brother's feelings. But look what Hashem says. How do I know that's true? Because how Hashem re reacted. Hashem, Moshe. Hashem got a little upset with Moshe. Your brother, Yadati, I know about him. Okay, he will speak and he will be with you. He's going to go greet you. Vira'acha, he's going to see you. Visamach Bilibo. Girls, this is very, very famous. That Aaron was an amazing person. That Hashem is giving testimony and he's telling Moshe, no, 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 no. You don't know your brother Aaron. He's going to greet you and he's going to be happy. Bilibo, right? Some people are happy on the outside, but they're not on the inside. So what's that big word? Bilibo. Aaron has that ability of not being jealous at all. Look at Rashi. Says Rashi, Vira'acha bilibo, lok savur makpid alecha. Not what you think, right? That he will be resent or be jealous of you attaining a high position, right? And he will be happy inside. Says Rashi, umisham zacha aharon la'edei hachoshen because of this, Aaron's goodness and humility, he merited the ornament of his breastplate, which is placed over his heart. Wow, wow. So why does the Torah say that he wears it al-libo? And why does it say libo three times? Gary, watch the turn. No, no it's a tough turn. I'm trying, I'm trying. Watch your turn. I'm trying to listen. Carrie, I'm trying to watch you drive and teach at the same time. It's a, it's a little challenging. Don't watch. No, I'm not looking. Okay, I'm not looking. Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn driving round. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like you're driving in Borough Park. That's what it looks like. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> so how beautiful is this? 
because Hashem says, you guys with me? Therefore, Aaron, and therefore it says Libo three times. Everybody's happy, right? Except for me. Why? Ask me a solid question, which I always ask, and now it's going to come into a very good reason. It's called Choshen Mishpat. Okay? Ask me a good question. I'll ask you a good question. How's that? Okay. Call on me. Call on me. Okay, here we go. Ready? Yeah. Okay, so he's not jealous. That makes him what kind of person? Humble. What? Humble. Humble. Beautiful. He's a humble person. He's good-hearted. He's got a good heart, a good lev. Okay. What does the Urim Vitumim do? Girls, tell me again. What does the Urim Vitumim do? They help make it, uh, to find out what Hashem wants you to do. Right. So we're talking about the ability to connect to God to make a good decision. Right? Correct? That has nothing to do with being a good-hearted person. I don't get it. Good-hearted has been Adam L'chaveiro, right? <clears throat> so you want to make Aaron the head of the Chesed organization? He's the guy. He's the guy. He's humble. He cares about other people. He has no ego. Love it. But you want to make him a, the spiritual head? What does God do with, with not being jealous of somebody else? Is that a fair question? The answer is how is it possible not to be jealous of somebody else? Come on, girls. It's impossible. Unless you don't like yourself, right? If somebody has a low self-esteem and they hate themselves or narcissists, fine. But a regular human being, you don't act on that jealousy. I got it. But how can you not be resentful? How? How is it possible that when your younger brother takes over your job? Jeannie, give me the answer. I see you're smiling. Call on me. Call on me. Go. <laughs> When you know that everything that you get comes from Hashem, you're not jealous of what anyone else has. Exactly. Exactly. Only the person who is 100, not 99%, not 99%, 100% clarity that God is God and he runs the world. Think about it, girls. Think about it. A person who knows it, like, I know it, I know it. It's clear. There's nothing fuzzy about this. Nothing happens unless God wants it to happen. Only such a person, I'm not on that level, but only such a person could have no taint of jealousy. So watch how this works. Who is the man? Who is the person that could really have clarity when he asks God a question? He's, God, he's a God guy? A person like Aaron. Now watch. Everybody follow me or was that too fast? No. Now watch how beautiful this works. And with a new twist, a new twist. Therefore, it's called, girls, Choshen Mishpat. The complete Hebrew term for the breastplate is Choshen Mishpat. The latter word, which means resolution, judgment. According to one approach, this name reflects clarity achieved on high. I love it. What does the word Mishpat mean? Mishpat means a judgment, a clarity. When you have that belief, like our own, that allows you to get the divine clarity. There's nothing to talk about. There's no question. What's the question? But it's not good for me. It is good for you, because God said it's good for you. But, but he has more. You're not supposed to have more. Are you guys following? So therefore, I love the name. It's the Choshen, but it's Choshen Mishpat, right? Mishpat, again, you guys know, what, what's Bet Mishpat? Beit Mishpat is a judgment, is, is a baiting. What's the goal of, of baiting, like we always said? To bring clarity to the situation. And therefore, it's called Choshen Mishpat. You got that? Now, let's do something we always did and add something brand new. I love it. Next step. You should know. Come on, come on, come on. Let's go. What's the next step? Okay. Good. Who's the first one that brought non-clarity that maybe there is no God? Maybe he doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe I shouldn't listen to God. No? Jeannie, I'm looking at you. Is it Adam and Chava? No. Who? The Nachash. Yes, the Nachash. That was the first, first power. Very good. Whoever answered that. Who was that? Glory? Yeah. Yeah. The Nachash girls, right? 
Hashem said, listen, let's, let's simplify. Look how beautiful it is when we simplified because I'm not that smart. Hashem tells Adam Mechaba, this tree is not for you. Guys, make it simple, simple. This tree is not for you. Got it? It could be the tree. It could be kosher meat. I mean, not kosher meat. It could be this. It could be that. Clear. If God says it's not for me, it's not for me. Well, what's the problem? It's not even a question, right? Clarity. Comes the nachash, comes the nachash, and starts implanting all kinds of things in your head. No, maybe this, maybe that, like this or that. Oh, fuzzy, fuzzy, wuzzy, right? Nachash was the first. What are the three letters of Nachash? Nun, Chet, Shin. What are the three letters of Choshen? Nun, Chet, Shin, Nun. It's the same word, bumble, jumble. The Choshen is there to clarify what the Nachash did. And actually, look what the Torah describes in Nachash. Nachash haya arum mikol chayat hasadeh. Arum does not mean naked. What does the English say? <coughs> The serpent was cunning, cunning. That's what the Yetzahara does. What the Yetzahara does is it takes away that clarity. It implants. By the way, let's think for a second. The Midah of jealousy. How much does that have a part and when people do inappropriate things? Think about it. What causes unhappiness? Jealousy. Not always, but a lot, right? I don't have that. I don't have that. I'm looking for better things, right? Are we in agreement or just being nice to me? I think so. So this concept of, of me not having what I should have, me not being happy, that's what the nachash is. That's the nachash. So the choshen, right, the arrow type is the opposite. So far, so good. Here's the new one. Mi odea ivrit, maze lenachesh. To guess something out. To what? To figure something out. To guess. I love you, Eleanor. No. Linachesh. Is to guess. To guess, Eleanor. Guess. In Hebrew, somebody will say, somebody say, how much is this cost? If you go, you know, next time you come home with a piece of jewelry that you bought, right? And your husband says, say, Let's see how that comes over. Yeah. So look at look at this. Look at this. Here it goes. Here it is. Yeah. The PL root nachash. The radical Here we go. Meaning to guess, to conjecture, to speculate, to speculate. What does the nachash do? Maybe there's no God. Maybe maybe there's no Allah. Maybe God doesn't know what I'm doing. Maybe God doesn't like me. Maybe maybe maybe. You want to throw another one? It's not ready. We're not ready for uh, Purim yet. We're not ready. But do you know that the letters of Amalek end up being the same numerical value as Safek? What does the word Safek mean? Doubt. 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 That's it. The moment you put a doubt, you take away that 100% connection. That's it. And that's what the Nachash did. He threw in Chava's head and Adam's head, more Chava than even Adam, the doubt concept. You understand? Maybe it's not. That's the opposite of Mishpat. Mishpat is clarity. It's God and no one else. Wow, what a religious class we're having. Yeah. All right. Everybody, everybody got it? And therefore, clothing that Aaron wore and the Kwani wore is a positive thing because they are representing that they work for God. When do we do that? Where in our Jewish life are clothing important? I, I, I don't tell me it's new. I'm not discussing that. No, I, I'm not. Okay, whatever. No, because that could be any clothing is not. Okay, whatever. Give me, give me another time that clothing is important. Nice clothing. Shabbat, you want to look. There you go. Shabbos. There you go, Eleanor. And guess what? This week's Parsha. Oh my gosh. Look at that. This week's Parsha it has a very famous pasuk. You guys should know this because we say it in Davening and we say it in Giddish, right? During the day. The children of Israel should observe the Shabbat. What's the next word after that? La'asot. La'asot 
et hashabbat. What does that mean, guys? Think to make Shabbos. What do you mean, make Shabbos? Hi. Shabbos. Yeah, I would love that, right? You don't have to stay up nights cooking. What does it mean, la'asah? How do I make Shabbos? Make Shabbos means kavod Shabbat. You take actions that show that Shabbos is a very important day. How do you do that? You do it with good food. You do it with special activities. And you do it with clothing. Yeah, the one time that the Torah wants you to dress up. Yes, spend money on clothing. Yes, because look at the next Pasuk. The next Pasuk says, Beini uven b'nei Yisrael, Oat. What does that mean? What's an oat? Sign. Right. How do you show? What's the goal of a sign? The goal of a sign is to show others. Can you imagine? We don't believe in that normally, right? We don't believe in dressing up to show others. Yes, dress up to show others. Exactly like the Bigadim of the Kohen. It's beautiful. So that's what it means. I'll get to Bishamru in a minute. So you show that you care about, now I, I don't want to go into the old species, it's always like that, right? If, you, if you're going to a, um, we said you're going to a wedding, you want to wear something nicer if you're closer to the room and to the bride, right? Because you represent them. Um, we're not going to go into a whole talk, but we've said, and I had it in class, and some of the girls told me that they did, they bought a nicer pair of pajamas. I said that even if you, that's what they told me. The girl comes after that and she says, <laughs> You don't say, I bought special pajamas for the Friday night meal. I said, wow, how special is that? That's so special. That's beautiful. Uh, whatever. So wearing, I, 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 ladies, should we make everybody feel bad? Okay, let's take a minute to make everybody feel bad. So let's say we're Friday night at home at the meal. And the next day we're going to a bar mitzvah in shul. So Friday night we're sitting in some leftover robe from, you know, from the days of civil war. And Shabbos, the next day, we're getting dressed up like a queen. What's the difference between Friday night and Shabbos? There is none. There is none. Except that Shabbos, everybody's looking at me, and Friday night, no one's looking at me. So clearly, I'm not getting dressed up for Shabbos. I'm getting dressed up for others. Okay? I, I, look, I'm not excited excited about it. It's just, it, it is, okay, it's something you should talk about at home, what it means, but it comes from, even though Kavot Shabbat is Midrabanan, but the concept is from this part, the pastor. You got to make shots. Now, another thing which is so beautiful, which we use for something else, but I'm using it for here. You see the word vishamru, right? And you say shamru is what? To observe. So the first time, one of the first times it says shomer is in this pastor. How one pasuk helps another. Watch. <clears throat> in Bracious, when Yosef had the dreams, right? By Saper El Aviv, El Yosef told his father and his brothers about <laughs> the dreams. Look at that. His father criticized him. What are you doing with this dream? Right? Well, you know, when he said that the moon and the thing would bow down to him. You think your mother's going to come? She's not alive. Right? And his brothers envied him. Everybody look at the English. What does it say? Awaited the matter. Awaited. It doesn't say observed. It doesn't say watched. Says Rashi. Shamar. Haya mamtin matai yavo. English. He was waiting and looking forward in expectation of when it's going to happen. Which means inside he realized that this is a prophecy that Yosef will be, you know, the person, the head guy, but he kept it and he's waiting like impatiently for it to happen. Wow, girls. So now we have a new understanding of the word Shomer, right? Shomer Shabbos means get excited, go shopping, can't wait to put on this beautiful dress for Shabbos, can't wait for Shabbos to come. That's Shabbos early. That's the Shomer Shabbos. All right, point made. Point made. Let's move. Um, you know, while, while we're on this already, this is famous. I'll do this quick because I want to get to something else. Uh, there's a famous thing talking about that these 
clothing represents other things. Very quick, I'm sure you remember this. So another famous article of clothing that the Kohen Gadol wore was the Me'il. Okay, what was unique about the Me'il, girls? This is nice to say. What was famous about the Me'il? It had what? Bells. Strings. Colorful strings. The bells, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, the bells. The bells on the bottom. bottom. Right. The bottom. Says, says the Torah. This is actually the Torah. It says, on the bottom, on the hem, you should make pomegranates of blue, purple, crimson, well, right, right, right. Golden bells. The guy's wearing bell bottoms. It should be on our own, perform the service. So when he comes and goes out, he is making noise. Anybody remember? Two things we learned from there. Well, one thing my rabbi said this Shabbos, if I can quote Rabbi Braun, he said that the belts bechaper alashon hara, and that reminds us not to make noise that is not meaningful noise. In other words, beware of the noise of lashon hara. Excellent, excellent. So now I got three. That was very good, and I know Rabbi Braun very well. Yes, my kids. My kids actually told me a beautiful one. They said that you should be respectful of the privacy of others, and when. You know, you go to someone's house or into someone's room, you always knock and ask, is it okay to come in? That is amazing. Who told you that, Glow? My kids from school, actually. Okay, so your kids' teachers have the same websites that I have. That's amazing. <laughs> so that is the second lesson. Let's do the second lesson first. Actually, I have it. I want to show you that I, I'm not just saying it to agree with you. Look at that. Look at the next thing. Knock before entering not before entering but i have to i want to i want to talk about that a little bit um there are times that something happens to a student and i find out about it and somebody in the guidance department takes care of it and i avoid having the conversation with the student why because all it's going to do is make the students embarrassed that i know about it Everybody understand what I just said? Which means if there's no matara, if there's no tachlis in having another person know that I know that they're doing something that's a little embarrassing, somebody else is taking care of it, don't put that person in that position. You got it? Everybody understand? So it's a big deal, which means it's the same concept. Obviously, again, if somebody's in a dangerous position, and you need to, uh, you're the one to help them, then you got to get it, you got to knock on the door and go in, I got it, right? But if you don't need to know, you don't need to know. And and, and, and the person has to gauge that. So that's what they said, very good, Gloria, which means the Kohen Gadol represents authority, right? He has to make noise before he walks into the room so he doesn't catch the person in a situation that's embarrassing. Again, it has to be gauged, right, the same way. Look, I, 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 as a parent, I, I don't know if we want to have this discussion, if you guys want to open up on this. I think as a parent, we need to somehow have that balance, have that balance. Would you, would you read your kid's phone without asking them? Anybody want to answer that? That's scary, Rabbi. That's scary. Scary which way? Both ways. Okay. But, but Carrie, there is a value from this week's, from that part, from that story, from that, uh, what Gloria said, that as a parent, we have to somehow balance that the kid needs, uh, even if they, look, again, if they're hurting themselves and it's very serious, Carrie, I got it, you know? But, you know, yeah. sometimes, you know, maybe we shouldn't have ourselves allowed to see something that's embarrassing for our kids. I mean, I, that's, I, I think it's something to think about. You know, if somebody, the kid's, you know, has a tremendous, tremendous respect for a person. They don't want that person to see. Any other comment on that? I think it's something to think about. The first one is similar to what you did, Eleanor, and that's Rabbi Gifter said that the, the bigger you become, you're the Kohen Gadol, right? Realize that everything you do is noticeable. That's what he meant, right? Everything you do, just like the Lashon Aras, a little similar, you're making noise. And again, as a parent, we have to realize that. We can't just say, the kids don't see what I'm doing. Okay, so those are all about clothing. Let's move. I, I, I need to go to this next thing because I'm very into it. I have to share. There you go. Okay, so this week's Parsha is Kitisa. There's something hidden. And this hidden thing is so important in Judaism 
and in successive life. I'm going to do this very quickly. The beginning of Kitisa talks about that Hashem said that we need to count the Jewish people. How do we count them? We count them at each person giving a machatzit Hashem. Everybody understand what I just said? Yeah. Okay. So that's the beginning. That's why it's called Kitisa. So Kitisa is when you take the sum of the children of Israel, right? And each one would give their atonement. We've got a time. You're not supposed to count. You know that you're not supposed to count. You, you know that. Oh, we say, oh, samecha, we don't count. Okay. And they give a machasit hashekah. So the first question that everybody asks is a simple Hebrew grammatical question. To count is lispor. To count is limnot, right? Naso or kitisa means to raise, elevate. To raise okay? up. To raise up. You raise me up. Great song. So the question is, why is the Torah using that expression, right? So the story opens with the words, when you take a census of Israelites to count them, each must pay, right? This is a, oh, although the Hebrew word kitisa, it means simply when you raise, not when you count, right? The lesson here is fairly obvious. No two people are alike, and each one is really number one by himself or herself. Okay, one of the most important things in life is for a person to feel that they matter. That they matter. I, you know something? I, I don't even know where to start with the stories. I have literally countless stories over the years at Flatbush. I'll give you the one that just happened this year in our first Yachad program. This is a sophomore boy who is not a very outgoing boy. He's a little shy, a little this, a little that, okay? Okay, I can tell you two stories. And he's downstairs with the Yachad members, and I told him, go take that Yachad member and take him into the circle. Bottom line is, God helped. It was a miracle. This Yachad member was also shy. This kid was shy. He took him. He started dancing, and all of a sudden, this Yachad member went bananas, laughing and hugging him, and thank you. And this is what he said to me. After the program, he says, I felt so good because I couldn't believe that I really could make a difference in somebody else's life. It's big. It's big. It's big to think that you matter. At seminar, we had a young man get up there, said also, I don't have many friends. This, and he didn't say the name because it would have been awkward. There was a boy in this room who went over to me and cared about me. And that changed my life. It made me feel that I matter mattering, that you're here for a reason, that you're more unique than anybody else. Everything you have is because God gave you, is big. So when Hashem said, count them, when you count somebody, you elevate them, make them feel that they count. Sorry on the, on the you know, thing of words, but that's the way it is. It's a number. Every number counts. Every number has its space. Everybody got that? Beautiful. Make your kids feel that they are the world. Here's the big but. Judaism, ladies, is balancing two opposite things in the same time. Let me give you an example. You have to believe that God runs the world, and you have to believe that without you doing something, nothing's going to happen. How do you do that? That's too bad. That's balance. Yeah, that's balance. You have to believe that everything that happens is from God. But you have to get up and do it. You have to make Hishtadlut. But why am I making Hishtadlut if I believe that God runs the world? Yes, you need to make Hishtadlut, right? But don't think that only your Hishtadlut that's going to make everything happen. Isn't that difficult? Yes, it is. That's a balance in Judaism. Watch the second balance. Count B'nai Israel. Make them think that they are unbelievable. How are they being counted, ladies? How? By? Okay. If you're running this program, would you not charge a dollar instead of 50 cents? How much easier is that? I have to take half dollars? Now I got to start figuring it out with half dollars? A dollar! Finish! A shekel! Would not that have been a smarter idea? Everybody give a shekel. What's the answer? Because we're not complete without others. There you go. There you go. Bingo. You're unbelievable, but you're nothing without the other person. I love it. That's the balance. That's the secret of the beginning of this week's parsha. 
You know where this secret is said fully? In Pirkei Avot. Ready? Teach this to your children. There you go. This is a Mishnah. Im ein ani li mi li. That even makes, sounds like a Chinese food from <laughs> If I am not for myself, who will be for me? Ah, me, me, ah, me. I got to be for me. It's all about me. Same Mishnah. But I'm nothing without the other person. How beautiful is that? That's the balance. As a matter of fact, we had a Rebbe that's very famous who would say, write this one on a piece of paper. Write this one on a piece of paper, and put one in each pocket. One, one side says that, and one side says that. This balance is pointed out by Rabbi Dr. Tversky. Very, very, very famous. Girls, Lashon Harab. I'm sure you remember this, because we say other debate Torah connected to this, uh, but we're not doing that now. <clears throat> when the, the person who has tzarat has to be cl- cleared up, right? When he does his tahara, I mean, I'm sure you guys remember. He has to bring what? Tutsipurim. We don't have to discuss Tutsipurim today. We've done that. But what else does he bring but the Tutsipurim? Look, Eitz Erez. What's an Eitz Erez? Cedar stick, it says. Right. You guys know what a cedar is? It's a cedar tree. Tree. Yep. Ushni tolaat and a strip of crimson wool ve'ezov. What do they represent? Cedar stick, because the lessons, the lesions, not lessons, the lesions of tarat come because of haughtiness. Right, the person is uh, you know a haughty person is an ego guy. He'll speak lashonara. So that's symbolized by the what? By the cedar. Crimson wool and hysop. What is the remedy that he may be healed from his sarat? He must humble himself from his haughtiness, right? But come to a worm, which means he has to bring it down to a worm and a hysop, which is also low grass. Okay. So most rabbis learn it that way, which is that a person spoke lush on a rock because he thinks he's better than somebody else and knock him down. Go from a cedar down to a hysop. Got it? Tversky says something deeper than that. Rabbi Dr. Tversky says something much deeper than that. No, it's not what it means. Rabbi Tversky said there are two dangers in self, you know, in self-thinking in life. One is that you are better than everybody else. That you are a Baal Gava. That's it's Eris. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. It'll cause, you know, good, bad relationships. And the Lashonara. But what's the other bad thing? If you think you're a high sop, that's also no good. We don't want you to think that you're a tola. We don't want you not to have self-esteem. We don't want you to think that you're not important. Balance, says Rabbi Tversky. Balance. You're an Erez and you're a high sop. You have to be love yourself. You have to understand how important you are. But you have to understand your place in life as compared to others. It's a beautiful lesson. It's a hard lesson to teach. You know? Okay. All right. Peggy's agreeing with me. All right. Peggy, I love when you shake your head. It makes me feel so good. <laughs> All right, here we go. Last lesson. Let's see if we can get enough in. Okay. All right, this is very, very famous. Okay, so Hashem says to, you know, take a machzita shekel, and that's what they should give. Good. Says the Torah, Hashem says to Moshe, Ze Yitnu. Ze Yitnu. Anytime the Torah says, Ze, anytime Hashem says to Moshe, Ze, what did he do? He pointed. He showed him. Yeah. He showed it. So, I question is, I, I, I don't even want to say it not nicely, it's just as a joke. I mean, how how not smart is Moshe Rabbi? I don't understand. How hard is that? Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I know it says by the Minorah, if you guys remember in Truma, it says Hashem said Zeh, because the Minorah was extremely what? Extremely Labyrinth. complicated, right? Okay, so I can understand. Moshe is saying, I don't understand exactly 
what it is that I need to do. So zeh, right? This is how you see. Also, by the way, it says it by uh, the Levana. Fine. But this is uh, I, I, which rabbi doesn't know money? I don't know any rabbi doesn't know money. So what does that mean? Zeh yitnu. Fair question? Okay. Gets worse. We love making questions. So what did he do? Says Rashi. Herelo kimin matbea shel eish. Whoa! He shows Moses a coin, a half a shekel. Where is it? Where like it? How come he doesn't? How come the English doesn't say it? Moses showed him Moses a sort of coin. Oh, fire! There it is. He shows him a half a coin of fire. Slow, slow, slow. I, I, what's going on here? First of all, I don't understand at all what he has to show. So, what does he show him? A coin of fire. So, how does that? Why is that better? Everybody ready for a great answer? And you know that we always default to the one thing we always say. Anybody there yet? Not about women again. <laughs> oh, you, you know what? Eleanor, you're right. You got me. I always talk about women. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Not this time. Okay. All right, here we go. Moshe was unhappy that the Jewish people are representing themselves with money, money, money is evil. Money is Money is materialistic. You know, why don't we count them when each person does a chesed? Yeah, let's do a chesed. Each person bring a tzitzit. Each person do money. You're counting. Jewish God wants them to be counted and represented by shekel. That's what bothered Moshe. Not that he doesn't know what a shekel looks like. He knows. But this is really, this is the message, God, this is the message we're giving to the Jewish people that they're, they're being counted by money, a dollar? So what's the answer, girls? How did God answer? Come on. What's, tell me about fire. How many times does I say? Let's talk about the iPhone. Let's talk about the iPhone. Well, anything iPhone, could, iPhone bad or iPhone good? Anything can be misused or used. Good girl. To how you do it. I took you three seconds too long. Yeah. Lori, you were going to say it. I know. I see it on your face. You were going to say it. Yes, yes guys. Because what is the classic example of something that was created that fire. has to put out a girl? Fire. Or it could cook. Good girl. <laughs> right. Fire. Hashem gave us fire. Fire is good and fire is destructive. Fire is good and fire is destructive. Hashem is telling Moshe, we are not creating angels. We are creating humans. Humans are in this world. And money is a necessity in this world. You have to know about money. But what you do with the money is important. Just like Ash. If you do it and use it and control it in a positive way and use it for the positive things, then it's beautiful. But if not, it's out of control. So this brings us back to gambling. Absolutely. See how you 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 cover you uh, make yeah, I came full so that's why only shuls could have bingo night. <laughs> <laughs> only shuls could have casino night. Uh, no, I would say something. The, the, the issue with the gambling, I'm not, I'm not going to go back. I want to do something else. But the issue with the gambling is that it. First of all, why would a kid start spending money on this? It's ridiculous. Why would a ten or I eleven or twelve year old kid? Right. When they started with those commercials, I was horrified. Yeah, yeah. Second of all, second of all, there is that, you know, um, the rush, I'm going to use that word, the rush of winning and gambling is very addictive. It's very addictive. Uh, even for an older person, you know, for, for a 15-year-old kid all of a sudden to make three, $400, it's like, it's big. You know? Okay, whatever. Yes, so this is the same idea. Okay, so what I'd love to get to, even though it's 2 o'clock, it's another very, it's the same concept, another very famous thing in this week's Parsha. And now, Eleanor, let's go to women. Yay! Yay. But it's in this week's Parsha. It's, it's a very famous, we say it, I don't want to ignore it, okay? And that is the Kior. It's my favorite piece. Well, every week's favorite, yeah. The Kior. When I say Kior, what does the word Kior mean? The basin. The basin in the Dash is in this week's Parsha. Now, the basin that the Kohanim would wash their hands 
is very relevant to our life because, I'll get to it in a second. Here it is. I have it. I have it. Yeah. This week's Marsha. Good. Why is it so relevant? It's so relevant because what is the first thing a Jew does in the morning after Modeani? Oh, now we're talking our homie. I got a homie answer. Nagelwasser. Anybody who's not Ashkenaz, does anybody know what the word Nagel means? Nails. Devorah, you're Ashkenaz. Did you forget? My name sounds, you know? What? My name sounds Faraday, Hamada. Yeah, so you're I, right. You're right. Okay, we'll let you get away with that. Yeah, Nagels means nails. Nagel and, and Wasser obviously means water. Okay. Why do we wash Nagelwasser in the morning? There are three reasons. Three reasons. Anybody know any of the three? We're telling the morning of, uh, of sleep, right. which is like death. Right, right. So there is an impurity. Actually, some people take it to the nth degree that during the night, our neshama goes up to Hashem for a fleeting second. So we do experience death, God forbid, in a short way, whatever. Yes, but this tuma, and we want to get rid of the tuma. Second reason is, I'll say it because it's a little awk, uh, we might have touched an area on our body when we slept that one has to wash their hands before they die. That makes practical sense. What's the third reason? Shulchan Aruch says the third reason is this week's parsha. Because what did the Kohanim do when they started their, their Avodah? What did they the do? They washed their hands. So just like the Kohanim washed their hands, we have to wash our hands. So that bothers me. There are tons of things that Kohanim do, right? Tons. And we don't do that. Maybe you'll tell me that the Kohanim today, before they go up to do Birchat Kohanim, and they do, and they do, should yeah. wash your head. That I understand. That I understand. Those who are Kohanim are doing something that the Kohanim used to do. So now wash your head. Accept it. But I'm not a Kohanim. Tulibas is not a Kohanim, right? My family is not Kohanim. So I have to wash my hands in the morning just because the Kohanim did it then? It's a good question. The answer is exactly what we were saying before. With the famous, famous, famous thing. Okay, hang in there. I'm going to skip a little bit. Who remembers? Guys, everybody knows this. Good girl. I have to come back to ladies, right? Right? The, it was made out of copper. Who remembers? Where did that copper come from? Everything's right. Mirrors. mirrors. The mirrors. Does everybody remember that? It came from the mirrors. What were those mirrors used for? To get the husbands to agree to procreate. Makeup, Maybelline. It was a Maybelline cure. Is that is that still happening, Maybelline? I don't even know anymore. Uh, what's what's his name? Uh, my uncle. What was the name of that company? Oh, Shrek. My, Bobby uncle, my uncle worked with. Uh, oh, he ran for mayor. What's the name? Okay, very famous uh, cosmetic company. Estee Lauder. Lauder, right? Estee Lauder. <laughs> You guys know my, I'll do, I'll do this very quick. My uncle was a very, very famous man. His name was uh, Rabbi Besser. And he was a successful businessman. And he met Ronald Lauder. Ronald Lauder runs tremendous amount of programs in Europe and in Germany for Jewish people. He told my uncle to leave his business, hired him to be the liaison. Because my uncle spoke Polish, he spoke German, he spoke Russian, he spoke Yiddish. And my uncle was very, very talented. A guy who was Strymel and Payas and everything. And he worked for Ronald Lauder. And my, uncle, my brother and I were always jealous. He had an office in the Estee Lauder building. Can you imagine? Okay, whatever. Yes, so cosmetics. So you know the story. The women brought these mirrors. Moshe said, are you kidding? Makeup? Makeup? In the base of Mikdash? And God said, yeah, that's what I want. Because the goal is to take the materialism, right? Got it? And to elevate it. Now we know. What is the goal of washing our hands in the morning? The hands are what we do our work with. So just like the Kohen would use the basin and take their clothing, which we just talked about earlier, and elevate clothing to Hashem, everything could be elevated, even makeup. And that's why we do what the Kohen did, not because it's a Kohen, because that's our life. Let's end this with a famous, famous question. Gene Zerdak, take it away. 
What's the bracha that you say when you wash your hands? which is to raise. Ah, uh, the girl. is to elevate our hand. Why don't we say al rechitzat yadayim? Right? It's the tilat yadayim because you elevate. Everybody got it? Okay. So let's review our our. Thank you so much for coming today. Makes everybody makes me feel good. So thank you. Um, next week, no. Two weeks back live and Zoom, but I'll be live with God's help. With God's help, everything should go well. If I Get through this seminar. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, guys, have a great day. Thank you so thank much. You, thank you, thank you.